Our reading this morning is a bit longer than usual, but it's important for the entire context of our discussion this morning. If you have your Bible and want to turn with me and read from Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34, Jesus says, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to his stature? And why take your thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you? O ye of little faith. Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth you have need of all these things. But seek you first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. What I really want to focus on is verse 33. Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. <clears throat> Have you ever thought, really thought, about the things that we are afraid of? How many of us remember a time when we were little and we were afraid of the dark? This means yes, this means no. I read a story the other day about a little boy that was afraid of the dark. And one night his mother said to him, Go out on the back porch, son, and bring me the broom. And this little boy turned to his mother and said, Mama, I don't want to go out on the back porch. It's dark. And his mother smiled at him reassuringly as mothers do. And she said, baby, you don't have to be afraid of the dark. Jesus is out there. He'll protect you. The little boy looked at his mother. His eyes got a big and he had a confused stare. And he said, mommy, are you sure Jesus is out there? Yes, baby, I'm sure. He's everywhere. And he's always ready to help you when you need him. The little boy thought about it for a moment. And he went to the back door, and he cracked it, 
And looking out into the darkness, he said, Jesus, if you're out there, would you please hand me the broom? During our lives, we can find so many things to be afraid of. Life is actually filled with dread of one kind or another in the air. In childhood, it might be a fear of the dark, a fear of going to bed in the dark. And then a little later, it's the fear of doing poorly in school. I personally was never afraid of doing poorly in school. I was just afraid of what would happen if mother found out I did poorly in school. Then we get a little older. And we wake up in the mornings oftentimes with a feeling of dismay when we think of all the things we have to do that day. In some way, fear dogs every one of us. Mothers are afraid for their children. In these times we're in, fathers are afraid for their jobs and providing for their family oftentimes. There is not a home, office, school, or church on the footstool of God this morning where there is not a certain amount of apprehension. And folks, if we're not careful, it can eat at our hearts and it can wear us down. Think about this a moment. Some of us are sick from time to time. But we're not sick all the time. Sometimes we sin. But we're not sinning constantly. But you know what? Most of us are afraid. We're afraid of something or we're afraid of someone. My Lord, Jesus knew this universal plague of fear and He knew it quite well. Jesus had seen firsthand the blighting effects of fear on the mind and the bodies and the personalities of people that He came in contact with. And if you look through the Gospels, And you look at the ministry of Jesus, you'll see that throughout His ministry, Jesus often spoke on the subject of fear. And to be sure, Jesus had the only real solution to the blighting problem of fear. And that solution to the blighting problem of fear is available to you and it's available to me. It is a complete trust in God. And that's what Jesus had. Jesus had a burning desire to establish faith in the hearts of men and women. Faith in a loving, powerful, trustworthy God. And with faith in God, they could escape the ill effects of care and worry and fear. That is something that is very beautifully set forth in the verses we read at the beginning this morning. What did Jesus talk about? He spoke of God's care for the birds of the air, did He not? The lilies of the field and the grass. 
And he reminded those that were listening to him preach that day on that mountainside that they are more important than the birds of the air and the grass of the field. And he assures them of something. That if they put God first in their lives, their needs will be taken care of. God doesn't promise to satisfy all of our wants. He's not an overly beneficent grandfather and He's not Santa Claus. But God will supply our needs. It was David that said, I've been young and now I'm old. I've not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. And then Jesus, when He says, seek the kingdom of God first and all this will be given to you and added to you. He concludes with this assurance. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. The morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. When we learn to trust in God, and when we live the life of trust, we will acknowledge God's provisions for our needs. In this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is dealing with our relationship to things. Jesus knew something about human nature. And human nature hasn't changed in 2,000 years. Jesus knew that our passionate desire for things is a primary cause of worry and fear. And when we depend on things for support, then we lose our sense of need for the support of God. Think about the things that worry you the most. The things that disturb us the most. Have you ever thought about that? Money, in some form, is the source of one of our chief fears, if not our greatest fear in life. Have you noticed how much it costs to fill up your gas tank lately? When was the last time you saw a really good price where you wanted to stock up on bacon or hamburger meat? And with the rising cost of food and clothing and fuel right now, have you found yourself wondering what it might be like by this time next year? Money. And the things related to money. That's one of our greatest fears in life. Money and the future. Those are responsible for the vast majority of our worries, our fears. And it's no wonder. Jesus, in our text, is trying to release men and women from the grip of this deeply rooted enemy of faith. Because what Jesus does in that far off day is He assures His listeners then and He assures us today of the greatness of God and the providence of God. 
And to prove the point of God's greatness and God's providential care, Jesus tells us of the fact of God's care for His creation. He says, even the birds of the air are fed, the flowers of the field are clothed, and the lowly perishable grass is not forgotten. And Jesus points out something. If God takes care of those humble objects of His creation, He surely is not going to fail man. The crowning achievement of His creation. Jesus points out very plainly, God has given the gift of life. And God is going to sustain it. Then He asks them, Is not life more than food? Is not the body more than clothing? Here's what Jesus is trying to emphasize. If we become unduly concerned about the means of life, we're going to miss the meaning of life. And we don't want to miss the meaning of life. Now let's not misunderstand what Jesus is saying. And be silly about it. Jesus is in no way in this passage arguing against work. Or against planning. Or against saving. Jesus is not speaking in favor of idleness or slothfulness. And Jesus is not in favor of the neglect of responsible and thrifty living. Because those concepts all show a false idea of trust in God. The key to the passage is found in the American Standard Version. The phrase that's translated in the King James as, Take no thought, is more correctly translated in the American Standard Version as, Be not anxious. Dr. Moffat puts it, Don't be troubled. I personally like Philip's translation best. That surprises some of you, doesn't it? Philip's translation says, don't worry. Here's the strongest meaning of the passage in the original language. You must not be distracted by cares. We cannot let the cares and concerns of this life distract us from the service of God and living God's kind of life. And what Jesus is telling us in this passage is that anxiety, worry, being troubled about the things of life is all unproductive. He talks about which of you by taking thought, which of you by being anxious, which of you by being troubled, which of you by worrying about it can add one cubit to his stature? I've got a four-foot-ten-inch daughter-in-law that if worry would help, she would just really love to worry herself to be at least over five feet tall. I've never worried too much about being taller. But if I thought being having anxiety about it would help, Jesus says, 
Which of you by taking being anxious can add a cubit to his stature? He didn't say it here. Which of you by being anxious can take 25 pounds off your weight? Brethren, if that would work, I would be anxious about my weight before the sun set tonight. But that doesn't help. My mother worried about my weight all of my life. And I never lost a pound because of it. Sometime I'll tell you some stories about the diet she had me on. And she couldn't care, she couldn't figure out why I wasn't losing weight on that diet, Leon. And I said, I don't know, Mama, I'm eating what you put in front of me. I didn't tell her I was going to the donut shop every morning and get a half dozen donuts on the way to school. Then the lady at the donut shop outed me. That's another story. Worrying. You can't get any taller by worrying. You can't lose any weight by worrying. Jesus is saying, being troubled about the things of life is unproductive. To be sure, we must not be anxious about food or clothing or health or the future. Now, we must take thought of them. We've got to give some consideration to them. But they cannot become the goals of our life or the obsession of our life because if we let them become an obsession and we are anxious over them and worry about them, they'll become a burden to the soul and we'll be fretful and fearful. So how do we avoid it? It's a very simple answer and yet it's a very profound answer. It's in verse 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and then all these things shall be added. The goal of life is to know God, to love God, and to trust God. And when we know God, and when we love God, and when we trust God, we can never be distracted by the cares of earthly living. The fact is this, that kind of trust in God requires a bigger idea of God than most of us have. Remember the song the children used to sing in Bible school? My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. Oh, and I've seen little kids sing that with exuberance and joy in their voices, and we forget it as we get older. Our God is a great God. He's the creator and the sustainer of this universe. He's the God of all of humanity. He's the God of all history. He causes the seeds to multiply, the sun to shine, and the seasons to change. He establishes the laws of nature and life beyond our basic, feeble human understanding. He stores the earth and the sea with an abundance of all things for all men forever and ever. And He abides with His children for generation after generation. And He does it with unceasing faithfulness. And clothes the earth with majesty and glory. That is our God. And a God that can do all of that is a God that's strong enough and big enough to take care of me and you. What did Jesus say? Shall He not much more clothe you? O ye of little faith. Beloved, we can trust our God. 
Our God is trustworthy. But if we're going to learn to live this life of trust and learn to trust, it requires a sense of detachment from current events. Jesus said, Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. In other words, Jesus said, Every day has got enough troubles of its own. Let today's troubles be sufficient for today. Don't borrow trouble from tomorrow. Or like your mama used to tell you, don't cross bridges before you get to them. You ever heard that? Jesus is not denying the existence of trouble. He's not like an ostrich burying his head in the sand. He doesn't tell us to bury our head in the sand and deny the existence of trouble. Present or future trouble. Jesus admits it. He says... Don't be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow be anxious for itself. There's enough trouble today for you to worry about. Jesus also doesn't tell us we don't need to face seriously the problems of life. What Jesus is telling me and you is the troubles, the problems, the things we face in life can best be met by dealing with them one at a time. And He's telling us that God will give us the measure of strength we need for the troubles of tomorrow when they come. Just as He gives us strength for the troubles of today. You see, when we live with God, we can afford to live day by day. Because there is a divine buffer between us and the disturbing events of today and tomorrow. It's when we borrow trouble from tomorrow and the day after tomorrow and other days in the future that we are unfair to ourselves and we're unfair to God. God promised to give me the strength to deal with today's troubles today. Put another way, the man or the woman who trusts God is in the world, but not of the world. We're subject to time, but we're not a victim of time. The man or the woman today who trusts God has a heavenly perspective that enables them to detach themselves from the endless stream of events to not be hurt by that endless stream of events. When we can sit down and look at life through the prism of the cross of Jesus Christ. We can see the events of our day and our time in a true setting. And we can know that in spite of the chaos that exists in our world, and oh my goodness, sometimes it seems chaotic. But in spite of all that, God is in control. And living the life of trust, looking at life through the power of God, we know that life does indeed have order and purpose. This detachment, 
that's a part of this life of trust. does not mean isolation from the responsibilities of living or the pain of living. Using our head, using our brain is not a betrayal of our trust in God. God gave it to us. And those who think, and we know them, we've known them, there are those who think it's religious and spiritual to live in some fool's paradise of sweetness and light. And those who think that, they have a longing to bask in some secluded philosophical never-never land away from the heat and burden of the day. And when something bad happens, they blame it on God. In truth, their own stupidity sometimes needs to be blamed. Some folks resent the intrusion and the sound and fury of everyday troubles. That might be the teaching of some religious groups, folks. Jesus never intended for life to be interpreted that way. Jesus never retreated from the struggle. Look through the Bible. Jesus never denied the presence of evil. He did something far more spirited and far more challenging than that. Jesus kept His life within the focus and providence of God. He lived by eternal values. He lived for eternal values even in the midst of the ever-changing ways of the world. Jesus conquered worry, fear, and anxiety because He kept His focus on the main business of life. And that's what He encourages us to do. That's what He commands us to do. Seek God first. Seek God's kingdom first. And make God our highest priority. And when we make God our highest priority, we can master the troubles of life. Because when God is in control, and when God is our number one priority, our detachment from the disturbing events of life grows. And our attachment to God and the things of God grows. We've got to be willing to follow the guidance of God. And to be sure, that's where the relationship between man and God most often breaks down. Those of us who have faith in God, we must learn to trust Him. And let's be honest, quite often that's easier said than done, isn't it? Because too often we want our way. Instead of being willing to seek and find God's way. Jesus is challenging us in this passage to live our lives and conduct our affairs in complete surrender to the Heavenly Father. And living a life of complete surrender to God, that is the one sure cure for worry, anxiety, and care. It's also a certain source of personal power. And peace. When we can in faith turn our affairs over to God, then we can know the meaning of the message of Jesus. 
We can understand what Jesus said when He tells us tomorrow will take care of itself without us worrying about it. That's the counsel of strength, not weakness. It's a means of self-fulfillment, not self-distrust. The reason sometimes that we worry so much about the future is that we push and we pull too much and too continuously. We strain and we fret and we torment ourselves with our plans and with our hopes. Are you listening? We need to learn to let go. And sometimes just let God take over. And adjust our plans to God's master plan. If we're going to turn our lives over to God, that all begins when we make Jesus Christ the Lord and Master of our lives. Now, you've probably never heard this before. But if Jesus Christ is not Lord and Master of all of your life, He is not Lord and Master at all in your life. Never heard that before, did you? We've got to turn our lives over to God. It all begins when in simple trusting faith, Repenting of everything that's sin in our life, confessing the name of Christ before men were buried in the waters of baptism. And then we start living God's kind of life. And maybe you've never done that. Then I beg you to do it before you leave this building this morning. Maybe you've done that. Your life has been filled with worry, anxiety, care, concern, trouble. You've never really turned it over to God. You've never really made Jesus Christ the Lord and Master of your life. I don't know what's going on in your world. don't know what's going on in your life. But if there are things that you need us to help you with, things that we can help you with, if there are changes that need to be made for Jesus to be Lord of your life, this is your opportunity to come and give us the chance to help you with that as together we stand and while we sing.